everyone, it's Dina McKay, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. On this episode, I have Asosa Igodero and Lauren Washington. They are the co-founders of the Black Women Talk Tech Conference. These ladies are going to discuss where the idea for Black Women Talk Tech came from, how they got into the tech industry, and why you need to be at this event. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, rate and subscribe on iTunes today. Now let's get it. Hi, everyone. I have the founders of the Black Women Talk Tech Conference. I have Lauren and Isosa here. Hi. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Of course. So, ladies, I know that you've been working very hard on your conference and you've been expanding. But for those who do not know who you are, do you want to take a moment and introduce yourselves? Absolutely. I can go first. So my name is Lauren Washington. I'm one of the co-founders of Black Women Talk Tech. Uh, we started Black Women Talk Tech because we each actually have our own tech companies. Um, I started my first tech company, which is Keep Up, in 2014. We ended up winning the 43 North competition up in Buffalo. We won $250,000 to get our tech company started, and it was focused on social media analytics. And I'm starting a new tech company, which is called Funder, which will help automate Speed investing between startups and investors, and we should be launching that sometime this year in the spring. So hello, everyone. My name is Esosa Gadero, and I'm one of the other co-founders of Black Women Talk Tech. I also run a tech company called CodeSign. We make products within images shoppable on social media and publisher sites. So now we enable the technology layer that allows you to see something and buy something right away within images. And so um, we've been working on that for a few years. We just completed the Morgan Stanley Innovation Lab uh, program. So Morgan Stanley is our latest investor. Excited about that and excited to be here. Great. And you have this wonderful conference that's going to happen in February. But I do have to ask, how did you guys meet each other? So yeah, we, we actually... actually... Oh, go for it. <laughs> so we actually met each other on the conference trail, ironically. Uh, we are all um, startup founders, myself, Regina, and Asosa. And so we constantly go to these different tech conferences. And we actually met each other at different random conferences and saw each other in the room. As Regina likes to say, we're the only chocolate chips there. And so you tend to stand out a little bit. And seeing someone who looks like you in this industry, um, you're just kind of drawn to them. And so we all just approached each other and, and wanted to talk about our experiences. And that led to us doing a little retreat in 2015, where we had about 10 women come together, talk about their businesses, support each other, hear each other's stories. And that was just so powerful that we felt like, let's, let's expand this a little bit. Let's see if we can get more people in the room. And that's what led to our 2017 conference, which was really supposed to be just 30 people in a room talking to each other and turned into a literal conference where we had over 300 people RSVP to attend. So it really just started um, meeting each other out in the normal way that you do and seeing a hole in these conferences that weren't necessarily reflecting our experiences and our truth and, and really wanting to bring what we were going through um, to the forefront. That's amazing how you guys met and then you took your opportunity and created something that was bigger and for everyone. So from that, Tell my listeners what the Black Women Talk Tech Conference is and what it means to both of you. Black Women Talk Tech, uh, so originally we really set out this mission to really allow us to identify, support, and help resource the next billion-dollar tech founder to be a Black woman because we are literally the bomb.com right now, right? Like we have always been, but right now we're finally getting some recognition because it's literally been the black girl magic like last couple of years. I was going to say, we definitely have been winning in the most recent years, helping people out politically, leadership everywhere. We're, we're building businesses more than any other group in America right now um, at a rate more than any other group as well as we're really the most educated group 
in America right now as well. And um, we literally do not take no for an answer. So we're really prime and right to build not only um, successful, successful and scalable businesses, but really have the opportunity to really build something of value to our communities. And so um, part of the reasons what we realized when myself, Lauren, and Regina met is that we realized that there's some issues that we are facing that probably the rest of the world may not know about. And so as we started hearing about the Project Diane report by Catherine Finney, which kind of identified all statistics around Black women and fundraising and the lack of venture that goes to our communities. So um, hearing that the average Black woman raises only 36000 for their startups comparative to uh, the average white man raising one point two to or four million and it was uh bone crushing but you know you felt the results right like you know even if you can tell <laughs> that statistics you really did feel it because the nose was just like wow like getting no for uh, a living out here when you're trying to fundraise and so I think um we we really wanted to kind of pull together uh, a space where it was safe for black women who are really building scalable billion-dollar ideas to be in a space with each other to figure out how we can support each other. And so you get a whole bunch of great value out of the three days we are creating. And so um, the first day, we're dedicating it to a kind of a recharge, refresh day. We call it our uh, day zero, which is our retreat. And the the great thing about that is that we allow everyone to kind of let their hair down. It's an opportunity to literally have some mindfulness exercise, get to be powered in the yoga class by Nike and get all these great freebies. But it's also a really a great time for us to really meet one another outside of the business realm, right? And really just start to bond and, and connect. The actual first day of the conference is really focused on founders. And so that day is literally curriculum and masterminds around different topics that will affect our businesses every day. So we're talking through different legal or accounting or things that really affect um, technology businesses and making sure you, you hear from experts um, that look like you and I, right, to really build and give expertise in a a certain subject matter. So it's been amazing to just hear from uh, different people like Arlen is going to be there talking through different things around fundraising. We're going to have a branding workshop um, <clears throat> as well as uh, different panelists talking us through things. And so we end that day with a VIP reception to investors so that we have an opportunity to connect and share our, our um, businesses with uh, pipeline to get in capital so we can increase those numbers. And then the next day, we have a full day open to the public. We call our community day um, on March 1st, where everyone can come and see Black Girl Magic on the stage, right? But you get to, you know, see people for, uh, for our Black Girl Magic talks, where you get to see Black women talking from a perspective of expertise versus just like the diversity conversation where most people are usually invited, um, as well as we'll, we'll have the pitch competition where we're going to be giving away um, prize money for folks who um, are, are kind of sharing their um, best work on the stage. And then we end it all and cap it off with an after party, which is always so much fun. There's always a lot of giveaways, food, drink. And there's just a, a, a load of different connections. So it's really a special place, and it's literally a one-of-a-kind event every year when we throw it because you just, I always say you get the feels because you're, like, recharged and re-energized and literally So you unpacked a lot there, but I wanted to say shout-out to the Black Girl Magic because – these conferences are rare. And me personally being a black woman in tech, it's like when I first started, nothing like this was even around. So to see the evolution of being a black woman in tech or just a person of color in tech and see so many more faces that look like me 
doing this type of thing. Like kudos to you guys for doing this. And this is a great conference. Are are allies such as men allowed to attend the conference? Yeah, absolutely. Allies are definitely allowed to attend on the community day that Asosa was talking about. So we'll have um, everyone from investors to supporters to people starting their tech companies. And we actually really do want um, a lot of people there because not only does that create access for our founders, right, to have uh, different investors and different people who want to get involved in this industry um, at their disposal that they can then talk to and connect with and, and really build from. But then it also gives us a platform to showcase how great these women are. So you talked about Black Girl Magic. We have Black Girl Magic talks that are similar to the TED Talks. And we're putting these women on stage to talk about things that they know well, that is not just about diversity, because oftentimes you come to these conferences and the the one Black person who's on a panel is talking about diversity. But we have expertise in a lot of other areas. Last year, we talked about VR. We talked about accessibility in tech. We talked about blockchain. Um, and these are women who have PhDs in this and experience in it and have built out research and businesses around it. And so we want to put those on on the showcase and have them have a platform to really be able to show that we're building incredible companies and we have the chops to do it. And that's great. And for me, this is going to be the first time that I've attended and I'm very excited. And I have to ask, what women do you recommend come to the event? I know that it's it's got both sides, right? It's geared towards female tech founders, but it's also geared towards women in tech who just don't see or get together with women that look like them, to be honest. So if someone asked you what woman should attend, what would you say? I would say everyone is welcome, right? The first two days are focused for Black women tech founders who really want to learn about scaling their businesses and really getting access to funding. So it's there's a very strict curriculum around those things. So we wouldn't want anyone who's not in that space to be bored to t- tears because <laughs> you won't understand it and it's not going to, you know, benefit you as much as the uh, the, the curriculum and the, the content we have on March, March 1st, which is for everyone. So I think if you are in technology, you're a tech enthusiast, if you're an investor, if you just like being around smart people, like it is all there for you to shine and to learn from. Because we'll, on the third day also, we'll be hearing from the very first Black woman tech found that her company has been valued over a billion dollars, uh, which is Julia Collins, from, uh, formerly from Zoom Pizza. And she literally is now valued at $2.2 billion. And I know that we would be able to see uh, a person of color, more so a black woman, <laughs> valued at that right away like that. And, and, and as many years as I've been kind of in technology, it's just so refreshing and exciting to see. So being around that, hearing her story, learning from her, it's just going to be amazing just to hear that. And you'll feel really inspired by the end of the day because you're just going to hear from so many amazing people that look like you, right? Like, so that's a different type of feel and excitement. And you're just going to be able to build with people. And I think that's that's the biggest part that I think you get to take away is the contacts and all the folks you've met and continue to build those relationships. And I think being able to network within each other makes us all stronger in the end. I totally agree. And I do have to shout out Julia because she was a podcast guest, but she's also a friend of mine. So she's so great. And I'm so excited to hear her speak at the conference. And you know what? I'm also interested when Lauren mentioned that there's going to be a time where people give talks that are similar to TED Talks. I have to admit, I'm really excited for that. So can't wait to see that in action. Exactly. That was something that we are really excited about, not only having Julia uh, really showcase and show that we can build billion dollar companies right, and we can raise the money that we need to and grow and scale the way we need to. But again, putting people on stage who are just really incredible and brilliant and being able to, to showcase that Black Girl Magic is, is what we're all about. And it's crazy because there's always that 
discussion around we can't find amazing talent in regards to people of color, unfortunately. But every time that there's an event like the event you're having or Afrotech, there sure are a lot of people in the room that I think are talented. And I'm glad that we're finally out here. We're showcasing our talent and we're meeting each other so we can create opportunities for each other. And let's actually dig deeper into both of your businesses. So let's start with Lawrence. But you started up with the Keep Up. And what is that exactly? Uh, so Keep Up automates social media listening. So we go through six different social media sites and pull out important keywords like um, birthdays and new jobs and weddings um, and then send notifications to businesses so that they can essentially keep up with their followers. Um, I, I think that, you know, the whole social landscape has shifted so drastically since we first started. At first, you're excited to hear from businesses because it's the first time you can talk to like Starbucks, you know, um, on your own and get an answer from them. Uh, but now it's become so saturated and so full that um, people are really just blocking things out. Uh, and so really this tool allows businesses to get connected with their users on a more personal and personalized level. And that's been shown to actually have a lot more effectiveness and, and build greater relationships through. Yes, I was going to say that's so key for businesses now, because if you're not on social media or responding immediately, most likely at this day and age, you're going to go through a crisis if that story gets out. So that's such a key app and such mm-hmm. a key way to conduct your business. And you also have the project called Funder, which is going to start very soon, I believe. Yeah, so I'm, I'm working on Funder and we're uh, looking to launch in the early spring. And and that actually came out a lot from my work with Black Women Talk Tech. So it, is, it actually was an idea that I had maybe three years ago out on the trail raising money. I think Asosa talks a little bit about how you're just pounding the pavement and you just become like your job is just to get nose. Um, and, and during that process, I realized that I think this process is a little bit broken, right? Because it still relies so much on warm introductions. It still relies on um, knowing the people to, uh, who are, are giving you the money. It relies on unconscious bias. Um, uh, it takes three to six months on average for people to raise. And for Black women, I would say that average is probably around two years, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, for me, for a, an industry that loves disruption so much, like the VCs are constantly touting disruption and saying they're investing in disruption, that industry hasn't been disrupted yet. Um, they're still kind of living in this old way of doing things and making deals. And so what this does is it automates uh, your ability to raise funding. So the on the startup side, they would come in and uh, take an evaluation that would allow them to get on the site and tell them how much money they're able to raise. And then from the investor side, they would come in and put money in and get a, a portfolio of startups um, automatically. So it sort of t- cuts out the timing, it cuts out the unconscious bias, um, and it allows the really the best ideas to get funded. It's so hard to get funding. And it- It's sad to say that even at this day and age, it's almost impossible still. I think your next project with Funder is going to help so many women. And I think for even at your conference, you have Arlen Hamilton coming to speak. And I think that will give a lot of insight, especially to women founders, for how to do funding. Because right now, to be honest, there's no handbook on, you know, do these steps and you should be able to get funding. There's so many attitudes and egos that are in the background that basically stop us from producing some of our products. And we all know that right now, Black women are the masterminds of business. So we need more help. Yeah. And I totally agree with what you're saying in that there is no handbook because the handbook is so different for Black women. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I know I've talked to a lot of people who are in the industry and they give you advice and you read tons of books and and articles and all these things. And then you implement that and your results are different. Right. And I think that was what pushed me to really move forward with Thunder because even though I thought that was my experience and I was alone after starting Black Women Talk Tech and talking to over, we have over 500 entrepreneurs who are connected to us and hearing literally the same story over and over and over again. um, uh, That really pushed me to say, okay, this is not just me. Um, There are obviously other people out here who are struggling in this way and where the rules are a little bit different for us. Um, so how do we change the rules ourselves and how do we make it so that we can fundraise and show how great we are? 
Yes. And actually speaking on fundraising and building up your business, and we kind of bonded over this before. So you did spend a little time in Buffalo, New York. And so I do have to ask, like, what was that whole process and why were you even there? Yeah. So I was there for the 43 North competition. So it is um, actually the world's largest business plan competition. Um, They have thousands of people who apply every year and they give out $5 million. Um, And one of the the stipulations is that you move to Buffalo, build out your company there, um, build out the tech scene as well. So it's an initiative that Andrew Cuomo uh, the governor of New York ended up um, implementing in order to rebuild Buffalo, essentially. And so we were actually the first class that went there. Uh, and we were there for a year. And it was really incredible over that year to see the change that uh, not only that we saw and we brought, but that other people were bringing there as well. It became such an entrepreneurial hub where you had all these young people moving back from whatever cities they were in for a few years, starting these new businesses, starting restaurants, starting hotels. I mean, the the type of growth was so inspiring and exciting to see while I was there. And the competition just gets bigger and better every single year. And I, I wouldn't make it this year, to be honest. Like the, the people who have won over the last couple of years are just building such incredible businesses. Um, so we were lucky to get in that first year and, and really be a part of something exciting. So I went to college there for four years. And when I was in college there, I don't think I would have considered Buffalo a huge tech hub. But after your experience and going through the program, would you consider the Buffalo tech scene kind of like on the up and coming? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's growing. I mean, even outside of 43 North, there are other incubators popping up, other angel groups now. Um, I think Solar City is there. Uh, there's uh, Facebook is building something there. Um, they're doing the Founders Institute. So it's really become its own little hub um, up in uh, you know upstate New York for technology. And I think like a lot of these smaller cities, like they're growing. Obviously, they're not on the level of Silicon Valley yet or, or even New York or Boston, um, but, but they're growing and they're, they're building their own little communities. And, and that's really what we need. We need to sort of spread this out over you know, all different cities in America. I totally agree. And I'm so happy to see that Buffalo is growing in the tech industry. I wish that when I was going to school there, that it was a little different because when I would even go like looking for internships or there were not as many opportunities when I was in college there, but it's so exciting to hear that they're growing and that they're trying to get more people in the tech industry there. So kudos for that. And congratulations on getting that opportunity. Yeah, thank you. And Isosa, so you have your company, Cosign. Can you explain to my listeners what Cosign is? Sure. So with Cosign, we came up with the vision of Cosign because we, we really noticed a change and shift in social media where, you know, people aren't looking at magazines anymore. They're all kind of entrenched in this new forum of like just kind of seeing different images and connecting with content digitally. And one thing that was growing and everything was getting faster with, with um, technology on that platform, but some people purchase it, right? So when you when you when you were discovering things while you scrolled, there was no real way for you to see something and buy something right away. So that seamless path to purchase or identifying something and figuring out what it is was really difficult. So we we, we decided that we're going to go ahead and try to solve that problem myself and my co-founder and. We we decided to do it through a mobile app because we wanted to make sure it was easy for folks, whether you're an influencer or a starting influencer or just one of those resourceful people. I feel like there's, there's some in like one in every group or one in every uh, community that's like just knows where it gets everything and, and, and happily will share it. And so one of the great things um, about Cosign app is that once you take a photo, you can tag product information throughout the entire photo and then share it to any social networking site, making it an interactive and shoppable post. And so now your audience can see exactly what make and what model, you know, um, those headphones are or what what is the true name of that purple lipstick 
and what's the brand and how much it costs and literally can click on on the spot and so and when your audience does have the opportunity to go ahead and do that and they buy it we actually command a commission from the retailer and we split that with you the the content creator so you get to earn money for sharing your style or things that you love and so we thought it was a uh, unique opportunity to make the the opportunity with purchasing seamless um, and allow you, the content creator, to earn money for uh, things you do every day. So that's kind of how we got into it um, initially because, you know, we were avid shoppers and always consciously looking for something and it was just it wasn't as easy. So uh, we decided to kind of create this experience, make it clean. And then in the future, we're, we're building uh, machine learning technology to allow us to be able to, you know, identify the products um, almost uh, automatically with image recognition technology. And so we're building that in the background as people continue to engage with us. And it's been a, a really amazing opportunity and experience for us so far. First off, I have to ask, where were you when Scandal was on and Olivia Pope was wearing all those good outfits? So now we exactly. can't find Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was actually one of the uh, first posts that uh, folks were talking about. That Burberry jacket was everything. Like, everybody wanted that thing. And then I looked for it and I said, oh, those zeros are real. So, but, you know, I really, <laughs> and it was like, so beautiful. Yeah, it was just, I loved it. So whether it's a TV show or any type of shoes, it was all, all the craze. So it was a good time. I love that your product, at least from my perspective of somebody who loves to shop, is so, it's just what we needed. You know what I mean? It's just something, <laughs> somebody finally made it a product that we need. <laughs> and you don't actually have made products that we need, but it, it's right on time. And you know what? So to me, and you can tell me if you agree or not, fashion tech, it took off a few years ago, but it's been relatively quiet lately. So do you see your business kind of being a game changer? Because I certainly do. Oh, for sure. I I think, you know, with fashion tech or retail tech in in particular, it's it's really a laggard in, in, in the industry to actually adopt technology. So I think there's a lot of excitement about how we can probably finally fix all these problems within uh, retail or, or fashion. So there's a lot of investment and excitement with the, the kind of different media outlets around all these different technologies trying to disrupt it. But then the only problem with that is that uh, some people just, just decided not to, to do it. Like if you're uh, if you're a technology company, you're creating something for retail industry, you have to have an option, on the other hand, with the brands and retailers. And sometimes they're just not ready <laughs> to adapt. Uh, but um, we, I think that's why you found like a huge surge in the last couple of years. And then now it's a little bit quieter than usual, but you know, you can still find out what's going in those spaces, but um, it's usually a niche kind of meeting groups but I think what's like all the craze now when it comes to retail tech and all that is really consumer goods like that's what now taking a wave of direct to consumer goods whether it's like from the Warby Parkers to the away luggage or glossy lipstick or or, uh, makeup it's it's really that's really now all the craze and kind of all the other stuff has gotten a little bit quiet but I think uh, over time, as people are seeing all these successes, uh, adoption will occur and then we'll see more happy moments. Exciting to like speak about what can happen in the future. So I'm very excited to see what the next steps for both of your businesses will be. Yeah, we are too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, one thing that you both mentioned, and even with the con- from the conference perspective, is that you both are co-founders and to find someone who's on the same mental wave and on the same page with you is so hard. But Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a co-founder, what is the best way to do so? What advice do you have for people? 
yeah, I can jump in. I think it's um, it's just like any other relationship that you're going to have that you really want to make sure that you know that person really well, that you're on the same page, and that they really are excited about and want to do a startup. So I think there is a lot of hype around startups right now, but people don't necessarily understand the grind behind it. <laughs> There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a huge roller coaster that you have to ride. There's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make. Um, so I think it's really about finding someone who understands what those are and are willing to do it. Um, and so when you have someone like that, you'll you'll really know because I think they're going to be as gung-ho as you are and as um, willing to, to move forward and sort of put other things aside in order to do it. Um, so I, I say that's one thing, and, and you're really only going to know that over time, working with people and getting to know them, because people can be really excited and sign on the dotted line one day and then disappear the next. So just making sure you're building that relationship and, and being serious about um, who you're you're going into that business with. And then I would also say the other piece is finding someone with complementary skills. So you want to make sure that who you're working with is going to bring something new to the table that is probably a weakness that you have, right? So I think, you know, obviously a lot, if you're in business, you may look for uh, a technical co-founder if you're building out a, a technical firm, or if you don't know anything about marketing, make sure you find someone who has that as an expertise. And so really making sure that you're you're not necessarily just grabbing anyone or grabbing friends, but grabbing people who can add to your business and add to, to that relationship. Just to add to what Lauren was saying, one fun fact we realized also what, what in particular for Black women is that we notice across our platform of our hundreds of founders is, is that a lot of the founders um, that are Black women starting businesses in technology are solo founders. Um, we saw that more than half are um, actually starting these businesses on their own. And um, either building or bringing on people with comp- complementary skill sets within not their teams, but they're like literally lone rangers. So um, we definitely think it's important um, because it's important for our folks to find people who are solid team members around them because um, there's a lot of benefits you can um, get from having someone who really has a shared vision and can give and lend emotional support. Because, again, like when I was mentioning, it's really an emotional journey. There's, like, tons of lows and lots of highs, peaks and valleys. So you want to have someone who kind of gets it and um, is is able to kind of, um, you know, stay the course with you so you don't think you're crazy and you are, you know, building this thing um, that people want. And um, you're 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 having that supportive system around you and community. That's an interesting fact that you threw out. That yes, most Black women founders are solo. Is there any? Do you know if there? Do you have any thought behind why we're solo? I, I definitely think that it, there's a couple of factors to it. But what we hear the most is that fear that you were talking about. Uh, I, I think as Black women, we have sort of this superwoman complex that we can do everything by ourselves uh, and we don't need help. Uh, And that's been perpetuated by our community and by society. And so oftentimes you think you don't need help or you're afraid to ask for help. Um, And then you end up really putting these on your shoulders by yourself. But every Black woman that I talk to says, I want to do this alone. I say, you can't. (laughs) You can't do it by yourself. You cannot build a full company um, by yourself, even if it's just for, like I was saying, that emotional support um, or the technical support or whatever it is. Um, I, I think the other piece to it is our um, access and who's in our network. So a lot of women are trying to find these technical co-founders, but how many of us have um, connections to a Facebook engineer, right, uh, that they can reach out and call and is willing to leave that job to come work for them? Um, so that's been a really tough piece for a lot of founders as well to make sure that they're they're getting talent and they're getting the right talent to come on board. Uh, because when you look at who is seen as leaders in this industry, they tend to look like the Mark Zuckerberg or the Bill Gates. They don't look like us. And so how can you get someone to see you as a leader and follow you as a leader when the risk is very, very high in the beginning? 
Um, so I, I think there's a couple of different reasons. Some of it, like I said, is internal and some of that is, is external and, and social. So, so did you have anything you wanted to add to that? I would agree with most of the same sentiments. Like it, it some of it is definitely societal pressure. And then, you know, there's this, you know, independence that black women just have in terms of like being able to take on everything and anything and just endure so much. Right. So it's, it's something that like, I feel like for myself that, you know, if, if even if I didn't have the, the support around me, or if I even lack resources, I'm going to figure out a way, right. It's this, you know, uncanny ability to, just find resilience in yourself to problem solve and just solve your own problem. And a lot of what business is, is solving a problem, but now you're, you're packaging it and solving other people's problem, right? Um, in, in, a, in an easy way. And so sometimes um, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's, it's sometimes a little bit of a risk too when you're like trying to find someone who's the right match. And if you're not really finding that, uh, but in partner, it, at that moment, you, you don't want to miss on the opportunity. So you just, you keep it moving. Like, it's like this, uh, um, it's just this, I'm like trying to find the words. It's just this, uh, it's just this ability to kind of like see some, see an opportunity and take advantage of it quickly. And if you don't have that partner right away, you're not just going to miss out on it. You're just going to do it yourself because you, you actually believe you can. And so I think that's, Part of uh, what you know, Lauren was saying in terms of the superwoman complex of, of being able to take on everything and not have any help when you should be asking for help, and that's probably a lot of other things you'll start to learn, as, especially at the conference um, when we sh- when we see some of the things that really uniquely um, suited for for us uh, women of color, primarily black women. I agree with what both of you said. I am a former superwoman complex kind of gal, but after learning that I don't know how to do everything and getting tired, you know, you learn to reach out to people, but I definitely can see and I've experienced where you think you have to know everything. You have to do everything. And it's just impossible to know and be and do everything. It's just not how... It's just not life. It's not human. So I can definitely understand from the viewpoints that you guys mentioned why some people are solo. But then I also want to play devil's advocate a little bit and say that sometimes we also choose people to be on the team, either be it that we're rushing or we feel that we need someone. And then we end up choosing the wrong people. And when I mean by wrong people are people who just aren't a good fit, people who just don't have the vision. And I'm wondering, has that happened to either of you ladies? It's happened to me. Yeah. And that is just as bad, if not worse, (laughs) than doing it by yourself. So there really is a balance there that you need to take into consideration. So absolutely, you want to push and try to meet people and bring the right people on your team. But when you have to let somebody go and replace them, you're losing tons of time, tons of resources, especially at these fragile stages when you're building a startup. So I think that's what I was saying earlier in terms of finding a co-founder. Make sure that you find the right person. Don't just pull anybody in because it, it really is kind of like a marriage, right? You wouldn't just jump into a marriage with someone and hope for the best, right? Like you are truly building everything from scratch, you're integrated in your finances, you're integrated in, uh, emotionally, um, and, and you really want to make sure that you have that right person with you. But but always think about what that team is going to look like uh, in the long run, because yes, they always say, like, if you want to you go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, you need a team. So if you really want to build that billion-dollar company, there is no billion-dollar business that has one person <laughs> as, as the uh, the person who's running it. So really think long and hard about what your your long-term goals are. You know what? That's just so true. And I never actually stopped to actually think about it. There is no one person that's running a company by themselves that's re- reached a million dollars. Right. Exactly. So that's something that uh, you really have to keep in mind. Uh, it's, yes, you have to share a little bit more and it may be a little bit harder, but uh, finding those people, uh, if that reaches your goal, then you really should be trying to, to work towards that. And Asosa, has that ever happened to you where you've picked someone for your team or 
even in a founder kind of type of position and they weren't a good fit? So I haven't had that experience from a founder perspective, but I have definitely had experiences <laughs> having the, uh, hiring the wrong person for the team and, you know, making real rookie mistakes with hiring and, and, you know, hiring wrong or hiring the wrong fit is literally such a waste of money, time, resource, and it, it like changes the vibe of your team in general. So it's like, it's a, it's an emotional suck. Um, and, and it really is painful. Like you, you spend so much time onboarding them, building them up making sure that they have all they need to be great at the, at the company. And then it's just, it's just doesn't work out as you've hoped. And now you have to now do the uncomfortable thing of firing someone, which is never easy. I was like, nah, I don't know. I was not made to fire people apparently. Um, and when you um, do um, have to let them go, that resource still needs to, to do work, right? You still need that, um, function to happen within the in the role. So now you have to go find someone else and bring them on and do the same thing over again. So now you've lost a year. Like it is, it is incredibly painful. Um, not you know pre qualifying and finding the right fit and 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 getting that person on board. It's it's a uh, it's a, again it's also like a relationship. So it hurts just as much, right? Like a lot of people think. You know, love relationships and love interests um, hurt when it's it's broken. But we'll do friendships or work relationships where you're you're building, and a lot of times you're spending more time with these people who are around you than you are with your actual friends or your family. So they gotta matter, and they have to, you know, uh, fill their their role. And um, the more around your entire company, it matters. And so. Yeah, those 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 have been really really painful. <laughs> I will say, um, but I, I think as 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 a founder, you're you're more likely um, going to go through it. At least like our very first hire was the wrong hire, um, and I think we didn't think about culture as much as we thought about qualification. And I think that was a mistake we made early on thinking, hey, he may not be a good culture fit, but he's got the talent. There's no there's no doubt about that he has the chops. And then, you know, that's just still a re- recipe uh, for disaster because they still won't last, right? You, you know, they're, they're not motivated by the same thing and you can't keep them on. And then it changes the, the overall, you know, emotional temper of your entire team. So it's super important to hire well and hire um, fast when it doesn't work out. One thing that I wanted to point out that you said is that when you're in the initial stages of building something new, you make these mistakes. And I just want people who are listening to the episode to understand that these things happen because why? When you're building a business, there's always lessons to learn. And if you didn't have these lessons, then there's no such thing as a perfect path in business. Like these lessons are going to come, be it when you hire someone and they're the not, not the right fit or when you're trying to build your business and maybe you don't know how to get the funding and you have to keep trying. There's so many lessons in business and building a team. It's just another step within that lessons learned. Yeah, absolutely. I would echo what Asosa said in that you're, you're, you're going to fire somebody. <laughs> like It's just going to happen. Um, if you're growing your business and you're growing your team, it, it's just a lesson that you're going to have to learn because not everybody is right. And they're not always right for the long term either. So even if you have someone there um, in the very beginning who's really exciting, is that the same person that you then move on to the next stage of your business with, right? So um, it, it's definitely going to happen. And it's it's going to suck. Uh, like as Sosa said, there's an emotional component to it. It's not fun on either side. Um, even if you're the one doing the firing, it's still horrible uh, because you know that you kind of made the mistake bringing them in. But like you said, it's, it, these are the hard lessons that you kind of have to learn um, and you'll, you'll get better at it. Uh, and the, the only thing that you really need to take away from it is is a lesson, right? So it's fine to fail. Just don't do it again 10 more times and do it the same exact way. Make sure you're using that failure to, to teach you something and to get better the next time. 
And even though neither of you are coders and you're not technical founder, do you still feel like you're a part of a tech sisterhood or a tech community so you don't feel alone? I definitely do. I mean, I think that's one of the things uh, that I love about Black Women Talk Tech. So we're not just this conference. We also have a membership attached to it. We have three chapters in New York, San Francisco, and Atlanta, and we're, we're actually going to be growing that this year. Um, and being able to uh, connect with women who are building these companies and learn from them and, and see how brilliant they are and having other people who look like you, who are doing things that you love to do, um, is, is absolutely incredible. And that expands not only uh, to entrepreneurship, but we've done a lot of different events and uh, and had a lot of different partnerships with those who are working um, at tech companies. So one is um, Black Tech Women. They have a, a really great Facebook group and um, they do events all over. And a lot of them are working in you know the big five tech companies and they could be the next wave of entrepreneurs that are coming out. So making sure that you're staying connected with um, the entire industry um, is really huge. And, and now that we have Black Women Talk Tech, I, I feel like we created that for ourselves um, selfishly. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's been really exciting um, to to sort of see all these women coming out of the, the woodworks and be inspired by them. I like to hear that, especially as a Black woman, that there is that feeling of community and sisterhood. And so we've talked to, to end the conversation, we've talked about your businesses, we've talked about the conference, And we've talked about how Black Women Talk Tech is not only a conference that you are expanding and you have three chapters currently. And from all this conversation, I think everyone can note that representation does matter. And so I have to ask, being that you're Black in tech, why is being Black and a woman in tech important to you? And we can start with Asosa. I mean, being Black and a woman and and is very important to me because that intersectionality is often not really um, talked about as well as represented in many places, even though I promise you behind every great idea is a black woman. Like I guarantee um, it's a lot of black women creating some amazing, um, businesses and and that's so inspiring because then if I'm able to see myself in that then I could be it right I, I I love to hear different things that like I'm I'm impressed by but I'm like of course right like you hear like a black woman created GPS I was like oh of course we did and um, I'm just so excited to to be able to to see myself and then like my future uh, if I have kids one day, you know, they'll, they can see themselves in that role because, you know, their mom did or uh, their aunt did it or they see someone in that state. And it's just so important in terms of representation in general. And it's important to me because, you know, I've, I've actually made a conscious decision to be here in this space. And I think um, that that being, that having that choice to do so and then like, feeling fulfilled in it is just um, one of the most important things um, to have um, when, you know, you, you have this quest called life and decide it's, it's for you. So I'm, I'm really happy to um, be a, a black woman in technology and, and be um, sometimes the only examples in the room um, and hopefully breaking that ceiling and breaking that glass. So there's, it's not a, a, it's a thing of the past to think of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a black woman tech founder and, you know, not, it's not just Mark Zuckerberg. You think of that uh, as a title for. So it's really a, a, um, empowering for me to be in the space and also, you know, be able to have the ability to create, especially when there's like different areas of the world that don't even even have the choice to. And so I feel very fortunate and privileged to do that and love what the, love the, the skin I'm in and love to be able to, you know, create and build and, and, and literally make money <laughs> um, to then reinvest in my communities and in the interests that I love. And so uh, I'm excited and I'm, I'm happy to be here as always. 
I will always be happy to be here. <laughs> All right. And Lauren, why is being a black woman in tech important to you? I think it's similar to what Asosa said in that black women in tech right now are pioneers. And even though it's 2019, we literally just had the first Black women to create a billion-dollar business a couple months ago. There's still only 30 to 40 women who've raised over a million dollars, um, and and we're not seen out here as leaders yet within the tech space. And so, I, I think being a part of this class really of people who are coming in and shouting and taking over quite frankly and saying we want to be heard and we have great ideas and we have great businesses and we're great leaders um, is is really exciting to be a part of and it wasn't necessarily something that i went into wanting to do i really just wanted to do business i didn't necessarily want to be the voice of black women in tech. But I think once you're in it and you understand some of the barriers and some of the things that you have to move forward with and the fact that it's, it's difficult to do it, you don't really have a choice. <laughs> you kind of have to be pushing forward so that other people can come up behind you. Um, and we've seen that from our conference as well. Those who've come and attended the conference, um, they write us a couple months later and said, I started my business. I got a co-founder. I finally got my first check. Um, and seeing that change, that real um, physical, actual change has been so incredibly exciting and so motivating for me as an entrepreneur as well to know that uh, when you do see yourself reflected in an industry, it causes that, that chain reaction and it causes more people to join as well. So so it's an exciting time to be a black woman in, in tech. Like I said, we, we have black girl magic. We are taken over. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy to be uh, in this during this time. It's a great day to be a black woman. Yes. And I'm excited for the conference and all of the black women that are going to be in that room. And I'm sure it's going to be a great time. Well, thank you, ladies, for your time today. Thank Thanks you so, so much for having us. us. Thank you for listening to Black Tech Unplugged. Again, I'm Dina McKay, and you can find the podcast on Instagram at Black Tech Unplugged. You can also go to the website, blacktechunplugged.com, or find us on Twitter, which is Black, B-L-K, Tech, T-E-C-H, Unplugged is U-N-P-L-G-E-D. And if you haven't already, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And if you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five-star review, too. It would help me a lot, and it help other people find the podcast. And I notice it's been a little quiet on social media, so please use the hashtag, hashtag Black Tech Unplugged, so I can see that you guys are enjoying the episodes and listening. Until next time.